This is Digital Marketing Fastlane. This podcast will show you how to build, launch, grow, and scale a widely successful online business. Listen to real conversations with proven practical strategies and success stories. You're going to learn how to generate more traffic, more sales, more profit, and customer lifetime value for your online store. Coming to you from the online marketing experts at Boy Media, here's your host, Kevin Urrutia. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm here with Chase Diamond. Hey, Chase, how are you doing today? Hey, Kevin. I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. Great. So you run an email marketing agency. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your email marketing agency, but first start off with maybe a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So my personal background is in building kind of B2C communities. So I've built two or three kind of particularly large communities. Kind of starting out out of school, I built an education technology product that connected students on college campuses with other in their classroom to make learning more collaborative. Um, so for example, I know you're in New York right now. So if you went to NYU, we would connect you with other kids in a business class of yours or an econ class of yours. So that way you guys could share notes, collaborate on study guides and create in-person study groups. So I kind of grew and scaled that product to you know, hundreds of thousands of users over a six month period, largely on the back of cold email. So we found college directories that had students' email addresses and we were inviting them to kind of contribute and share in this almost social platform, but for learning. And then also on the backs of college Facebook groups. So I had a lot of success with that platform. From there, I built specifically a business that leveraged email. So just like the hustle and the skim and morning brew or email newsletters, I did that same thing, but for travel. So I built this email series called The Discoverer, and I grew it from zero to about 500,000 subscribers in about 10 months, largely on the back of cold email again. So what I had done is I'd built a tool that had aggregated data from Instagram based off of hashtags that people posted with, accounts that people followed, or geolocations that people tagged that kind of indicated a travel interest. So hashtag travel followed something like Nat Geo, or they'd post a photo in something like Bali. So I was aggregating millions and millions of these people's profiles and therefore emails and sending highly personalized emails. You know, hey, Kevin, came across your hashtag New York City photo. Wanted to let you know about this travel community that we've built that connects people like yourself, you know, and hundreds of thousands of others to be able to share tips and tricks and, you know, find and discover new places. So we probably acquired about 200,000 to about 250,000 of those subscribers from cold email. So kind of the theme that you're hearing with those two businesses and kind of the next business I built, which was a forum for people that like to drink tea, was cold email is really at the core of all of this. And I did cold email in a very traditional or non-traditional sense. Everyone typically does it for, for B2B. I was doing it for B2C and I was getting like 50, 60% open rates. I was getting 10, 15% click-throughs and replies. And I'm talking about like five, 10 million emails being sent. So that's kind of my, my background. And I leveraged some of those skill sets through my friend, Nick Shackelford, who Kevin, I think you might know and a couple yeah. of people know. Nick's a really great guy. He crushes it in e-commerce. He said to me like, Chase, like the stuff that you're doing with cold emails, like unheard of, like I've never heard of this stuff. If you could apply some of those tactics and skills to e-commerce, I guarantee you'll crush it. So about two years ago, I kind of just dove into the e-commerce world and really now started doing newsletters. Um, and fast forward to today, I work with 30 e-commerce brands that range from six figures to eight figures in annual revenue. In the past 19 months, since we've started, we've done over 25 million in email attributable revenue. Now it's not a revenue for your brands you work with. But okay, cool. Going back to kind of like your, when you were doing your B2C cold emails, what made you decide to do cold emails? Because 
email is hot right now, of course, and our e-commerce is what you're doing, but I think cold email is hot right now. It's like the thing people are talking about. I think probably when you were doing it was much different than what it is now, because even right now, you can plug into Gmail. There's so many of these apps like Mailshake, all these like sort of email sending apps that sort of will make it seem like personalized sort of, how did you like sort of get into that? Because back then people were like, don't do cold email. It doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, dude, every year I think the tide shape between like emails alive, emails yeah. dead. You know, I think people were just trying to sell clicks, but I got into it really kind of out of like necessity and success. So what I mean by that is when we started going to college directories and finding students' email addresses, that was all very manual. I was sourcing the emails myself. I was sending one-off emails, right? And as I kind of sent hundreds and thousands of emails kind of manually, I was like, man, this thing takes forever, but it works so, so well. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to figure out like, how could we A, automate the data grabbing and B, how could we automate the email sending? So kind of end up building out this infrastructure of G Suite email. So just like your Google for work email, GMAS, which you're kind of alluding yep. to kind of like a MailShake competitor. GMAS early. So, oh my God, so early. Yeah. So, and so, and so hacky. And so like, yeah. you know, it's, it's very basic, but that yeah. was a tool that I've been using for years. And now I tell people and show people that they're like, what is this thing? This thing is so weird. Cause it's like a spreadsheet with Gmail. It's like, this is so complicated. It's so weird. <laughs> For me, it's yeah. so simple. And some of the other ones that I've looked at, I'm like, oh man, I already know this one. Like, why would I switch? Yeah. So it was G Suite, GMAS. And what I basically had figured out was I wanted to do cold email. I wanted to do email for a very, very long time. So I wanted to build it in a way that was scalable and plug and play. So I basically set up this infrastructure leveraging what's called SMTP. Mm -hmm. So Sam, Mary, Tom, and, and Peter, um, SMTP servers. And I chose SendGrid as a provider and kind of just a quick high level on SMTP. I don't want to go too, into it too much, but think of them as like a server that you own for email that you can plug into, you know, different tools and different apps that for me, I, I built trust on it. So I started really slow and really small and built trust Sent really high quality mail was getting really high open rates. And as I was building these servers, and I had four or six of them at any given time, I was able then as the next project, instead of starting from scratch, instead of having to warm up my IP, instead of having to prove that I was a trustworthy center, I would bring in this infrastructure and be able to scale email so much quicker than anyone else. Because typically the process today is if you start you know, a new work account, you have to really build trust. You have to send five emails a day, 10 emails a day, and it just takes forever. I wanted to do this at a high volume. So I built this way to do it for any business I run. Yeah. And this is, uh, I think this goes back to kind of, I think for you guys, you use a lot of Klaviyo for your, your essentially like, it's not really cold campaigns. It's more warm campaigns for e-commerce, but yeah, something like Klaviyo is essentially, that's why sometimes you want to use them as a platform because they already kind of have the sort of setup done for you guys as a, as a merchant essentially. So it makes it easier for listeners or if you have an e-commerce store to just use them because their IPs are essentially warmed up already, which is super important for deliverability, which is, you know, probably, you know, about, because like if no one, if it's in spam, there's no point in sending an email. Yeah, a few things I want to kind of um, add to that. So one, don't try sending cold email on Klaviyo. You'll get kicked off <laughs> right away. Yeah. So that's, that's number one. Number two, to your point, like when you join something like Klaviyo, MailChimp, you know, whatever platform you join, typically you, sh you start on what's called a shared IP. So, you know, every email provider is different, but that could be anywhere from 50 to 100 other companies leveraging that same infrastructure as you. And they typically class you there based off your sending volume, right? They want people that are of similar size to be in the same pool. And they obviously monitor people very closely to make sure that people are not marking at spam at an alarming rate. People aren't bouncing at an alarming rate. 
and people are not unsubscribing at an alarming rate. So those ESPs, doesn't matter who they are, they're very strict because one bad agent can ruin it for the remaining 50 to 100 people on your same shared IP. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention is as you're switching from one ESP to another, so uh, a lot of our clients we see are on MailChimp. So MailChimp MailChimp's very great, but it's really more for, for mom and pop shops. If you're really a serious e-commerce business, I really do recommend Klaviyo. So we do a lot of email migrations. And as you're migrating, you do kind of have to re-warm things up and prove yourself now to Klaviyo. And there's a very specific way of doing that. You have to start by sending flows that are high engaging. So that's like the welcome flow, the abandoned cart flow, and the customer thank you. Because you want to see open rates, you know, at minimum over 20%. But for some of those flows, it's not uncommon to see 40, 50, 60% open rates. So you kind of have to start by doing that. And then when you start sending campaigns, you have to send to your most engaged people. Again, you want to hit above a 20% open rate at minimum on your account. So those are a couple of things I kind of wanted to add to the point that you made. Perfect. Definitely want to be a good person on these sort of shared platforms because like what you said before, there, there's many accounts on there. And for them, if you're a bad actor, they're just going to kick you out because for them, it's lost revenue essentially exactly. because you're a bad apple then 20 are going to rot too. They just lost, you know, what, maybe five, 10 K in revenue a month so for them. Yeah. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I have another question for you. Maybe what are your thoughts on using cold email to acquire e-commerce customers, not through Klaviyo. So I, the reason yeah. I say this is because we do, obviously we acquire customers through Facebook and it's like a way to do it. But what about using cold email or like using like, I guess, similar strategy that you did for your, for your store with Instagram, because you can still find emails on there, but I've never thought about maybe like no one talks about doing that. So I was wondering, what do you think? Or that's a hypothetical question, of course. Yeah. Well, that's, no, that's, that's a tricky one. So yeah. um, again, I've done a lot of B2C for what I was doing. It was very like community driven, right? Yeah. I just needed people to participate. I wasn't asking for them to purchase or buy anything. So it was a very easy or an easier ask or kind of call to action. Right. Yeah. I really think the answer to that question would depend upon a number of things. Right. Where are you sourcing the data? So again, if you're sourcing it from Instagram, uh, a lot of the landscape today has changed from personal emails to now it being mainly businesses and influencers. So before when I was aggregating data from Instagram, like in 2016, 2017, everyone had their email in their bio, whether they were an influencer business or consumer. Today, because Instagram has that contact button on, on a profile, I would say most of the people now are businesses or influencers. So I think depending on the source, right? Instagram used to be a really great source today depending on the use case, it can be. And also too, the other thing is like, what is the average order value, right? If you're trying to sell a really premium product, I think you're gonna have a really hard time with cold email, just because there's so much trust and there's so many different interactions in you know, exposure that you need to have to this consumer, to be able to get them to feel comfortable. So my hunch is that if you're selling a product with a lower AOV, something that has a lot less, you know, kind of thought and mind share that has to go into to making that purchasing decision, I think you probably could do it to some degree. You know, I've seen like a, a select case study or two where people have done, you know, they claim six figures mm -hmm. a year from cold email. So I think it's, I think it's possible. I just think you have to really tell the line of like how you go about it, how many times you hit someone, what your products are. Is there a lot of awareness for that market um, and things like that? Yeah, no, you know, I think you mentioned a good point when you said, I think you, I don't think you can go directly for the sale, but I think you've got to go for that sort of community or building aspect of your brand and somehow aggregate these people to come together to a forum or website. And inherently you'll have essentially a place where people want to buy your products because you'll build up that trust. But yeah, I don't think it'll work 
for like e-commerce or unless it's like really expensive, like $10,000 item or something like that, because yeah, they're going to be like, who are you? I don't know who you are. I don't buy, buy your stuff. But the thing is that for me, it's like interesting because it works on Facebook. So it's like, why did, cause like people will buy stuff just because they'll see an ad. So maybe if you email them an ad, I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, like, I, I think, I think there's definitely potential. I just think it will take a lot longer than doing something like Facebook, right? I think you can drive conversions to your point. Like in kind of what we were saying is like, I think you need some kind of intermediary, right? Or you need some kind of like media site or community where you really build that trust and then you push the sale, right? But you know, if that takes one, two, three months, I don't know if that's going to be the right strategy, right? Because most people, the hardest thing about email, again, obviously you have to test the copy and things like that. The hardest thing about email at scale is deliverability, ensuring mm-hmm. that you're in the inbox and not in the spam. And I think that's where most e-commerce brands would probably go wrong. Most people just think when I told email, it's like, oh, great, you spam people, you upload a list of 10,000 people to MailChimp and you press send. It's like, no, this actually took me like two to four weeks to set up. And then it took me another two to four weeks to actually send that data through, right? So I, I think kind of closing this out that there is potential. I just think a lot of people don't have the skill set required. It's something that takes a really, really long time. And it's something that I've actually kind of gone away from just because what I do now with e-commerce email marketing, it's so much more scalable. I could teach people. It's kind of confined into this box of like, you know, here's what you do on the design side, right? Here are some things that we do on copy. Here are the flows that we build. Here are the campaigns that we build. Um, so it's a lot more scalable for me as a business owner. So I too, even though having a background in this, I'm getting away from cold email. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now this is a question. Yeah. A good one. I was just thinking about it. Okay. I want to jump into sort of, you're mentioning flows and these sort of campaigns that you're running, I guess as a new e-commerce owner, what do you consider to be like critical flows or campaigns that you should be running? And another question is, do you use, obviously you just told me you use Klaviyo, but do you use some sort of like email cleaning app? There's a lot of apps right there where they'll take your email and say, Hey, is this a valid email? Is stuff like that important when you're doing e-commerce? I'm not, I've heard some people use it. Some people not use it. Kind of want to know your thoughts on there. Yeah. So starting with, with that piece, that's the most recent, you're basically asking about like an email cleansing tool or an email yeah. verifying tool. Yep. There's a bunch of tools out there. There are times and places that you would use it. So for example, if you were ever going to do cold email, you'd always want to clean a list before you send to those people. Because sending a high number of bounced emails is a clear indication that you scraped or purchased a list. So that's a really great use case. More of a commerce-focused use case would be if you run a giveaway, I would probably clean those people too because in a giveaway, people are just incentivized to add as many emails as possible because they want to refer others. I probably would clean those lists before you, you know, engage them because more often than not, someone can even type an email wrong. They'll put you know, an email that will bounce. So those, those are use cases. We don't do a whole lot of other like list verifying kind of outside of that. What we do do though ongoing, and then I'll kind of go to campaigns and flows is we always are cleaning our list. Um, so for people that are unengaged, mm-hmm. they're actually hurting you more than they're helping you. So back in the day, the ISPs, you know, Yahoo, Gmail, Hotmail, AOL, you name it, they used to reward senders based off of volume. So if you were a high volume sender, that used to be the, the ticket back in the day. The landscape has completely shifted to now. It's all about the quality of what you're sending and the quality of people you're sending to. So you're now being favored if you're sending emails that have high engagement, right? That's kind of how people catch you now. And having a list of people that are unengaged basically is having a dead list. You're paying all this extra money to Klaviyo, MailChimp, whoever you're on, um, for people to literally be on your list and not open an email. So it hurts you in two ways. You pay more for it, and also those people hurt your deliverability which ultimately deprioritizes your mail, right? If you want to be in the inbox, you want to be in the promotions folder, not spam, send to the people that are most engaged. That could be a 50-day engaged. It could be a 90-day engaged. It could be a 120-day engaged. 
but the, the benchmark is to try to get at least a 20% open rate or higher. Yeah. And, and I heard, yeah, even with engagement rate, I think that's a good one because I've even, I've obviously Gmail is really massive. If you look at a lot of the e-commerce brands we work with, almost like 80% is Gmail, which is so crazy how much deliverability they get. I'm not sure if you heard this too, but I was hearing that Gmail was like even upping their sort of spam filters or like deliverability filter by seeing if people respond to stuff, start their stuff in their inbox or put it like important. Is that, have you seen that sort of anything like that? Cause I know, I mean, you, I probably, I sign up for a ton of stuff. And yeah. whenever I get on a thank you page, every marketer is like, add me to your important inbox. Like, yeah. yeah. So do you, is that, do you think that's something that people should be doing or sort of when you're doing these campaigns, should you be trying to get an engagement from your audience? What are your thoughts there? Yeah. So Google looks at both the things that are trackable and not trackable within ESP. And what I mean by that is in kind of Klaviyo, you could see open rates and, and click through rates. You can see marked to spam, bribed, bounced, right? But the things that you can't see is you know, people that are replying to your email, right? They're not tracking that. Some ESPs track like forwards, you know, if someone forwards it to a friend, um, if someone, you know, drags it from their promotions to their inbox, there's all these intangible things that Google is monitoring us based on. Some of the things we have feedback on, a lot of them don't, but positive and negative engagements are big things I look at, right? So they're not only looking at things of people opening or replying, they're also looking at things of people, you know, not opening, people deleting that email, right? Mm-hmm. People marking a spam, right? So there's all these different things that to your point really are taken into consideration from Google knows people. That's the first part. I know you did ask also about like campaigns and flows. Would you like me to talk through that? Yeah, let's, let's sort of talk about some of the campaigns and flows that you, you implement for some of your clients. For example, let's say you pick up a new client. It's like, hey, Chase, I do, I have a funny example for us. Hey, guys, do my Facebook ads. And then they're like, oh, we don't do email marketing. We're like, okay, well, we can't help you that right now, but we think it's something you should be doing. And we just usually then say you should get Klaviyo. For example, if someone came to you, it's like, hey, Chase, what campaigns or flows should be implementing? And I guess maybe explain the difference between campaigns and flows because I know every sort of email marketing company is a little different, but they're kind of, it's like automation too, you know, this sort of keywords and buzzwords. Yeah, starting with the definition. So a campaign is basically like a manual broadcast or a push to your audience where you're basically telling them, hey, we have this update for you. That could be something like a, a Valentine's Day email. You know, that's coming up. That's like a Black Friday offer. Um, that's like a new product promotion, right? So a campaign is basically a brand telling a customer, you should be interested in this because of X, Y, and Z. Um, whereas a flow, that's kind of Clavio's terminology. That's synonymous with email automation. And automation basically is triggered off an action. So Kevin, you're on my site. You add something to your cart. That will then trigger an abandoned cart. So that's basically the way of a user telling you that they're interested and therefore you should send them content on an automated basis. So another example is if you have a website, you have an email pop up that says, hey, Kevin, enter your email to get 10% off. You enter your email, that will then trigger a welcome series, right? So people will receive four or five emails over the course of a week and a half or two weeks. That's kind of the distinction, right? So again, campaigns is kind of a manual push or a broadcast to your audience telling them, hey, happy Valentine's Day, shop our sale. And a flow or automation, I'll typically refer to it as a flow. So just keep that in mind. That's like a welcome series, an abandoned cart, a customer thank you. Um, and now kind of diving into each one. On the automation side, there's kind of three must-have flows that you have to do right away. Mm-hmm. There's like 15 or 20 flows that we actually build. And I know that <laughs> yeah. that's a lot more than it's other, a lot. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, other agencies typically only are building like five or seven flows. They're, they're missing a whole lot of things. They typically only have the basics. We build the basics first, and then we build out a lot more advanced flows after. But if you have limited time and limited energy to put into your email, 
the three flows that you must have. And again, within each flow, there's multiple emails. But the first one is you have to have a welcome series. So again, ideally, you'll have four or five emails that hit people over the course of a week and a half to two weeks. And that's all about, you know, giving people whatever you promised in the pop-up. So if it was a free shipping offer, send them the free shipping code. If it was a discount, send them the discount code. And really educate them, send them a warm welcome, set the expectations of what's to come. Tell them like who you are, why you're different. That's where you should put in any social proof, any places that you've been featured, the number of positive five-star reviews that you have, right? Now we have over 1,000 positive five-star reviews. Here are some customer testimonials. We've been featured on you know, CNBC, CNN, et cetera, right? That's the welcome series. So definitely build that. If you can't build four or five, at least at the very, very minimum, have two or three. So that's, that's one. The next one that we recommend you having on the automation side is the abandoned checkout. Most people call it the abandoned cart, but it's actually like an abandoned checkout. And the reason for that is you can actually collect people's emails while they're checking out. Even if they don't finish the checkout, people are that far down the funnel of their customer journey that they're most likely to purchase. They either got distracted, maybe you know shipping was too high, they're waiting for a discount code to come. So having an abandoned checkout email have at least two or three emails that hit people you know, an hour later, a day later, two days later, kind of reminding them and dynamically showing the product or the products that people left kind of in their cart and at checkout. And as you go, if, you, if you're a brand that has no discounts, don't give it any discounts. If you want to seldomly give discounts and you have three emails, the first two don't give a discount. Wait to the third to see if people still haven't converted and give them a discount. So the abandoned checkout is huge for driving revenue. So I highly recommend that one. And then the last one that we do at the very bare minimum is a customer thank you. You have to thank your customers. You have to express your gratitude. You have to express your appreciation. That helps reduce buyer's remorse, help increases the bond of the customer to hopefully repeat purchase from you in the future. Um, and it really just is you being a great person and being appreciative. So those are the three flows that you have to do at the bare minimum right away. I have a question about these flows. What would the content be on these flows? Is it like really designed emails? Is it like emails from the like customer service rep, from the founder? How do you guys think about when, uh, that when you're designing these flows for your brands? That's a great question. I would say most emails in general, I'd probably say 75% of the emails that we create are kind of beautifully designed emails. The 25% of the emails that we create that are kind of more plain text, just like writing an email to a friend or a family member, these three are actually great places to test those. You know, a customer thank you, like that should typically be a plain text email and it should have the signature of the founder or the founders at the bottom, right? It should feel fairly personal. It should feel heartfelt. So that's a really, really great place. And to your point, I appreciate you asking that. That's a great place to have, you know, an AB test of a well-designed email and also kind of a plain text email to see which one performs better. In the abandoned checkout email, if you send two or three kind of really beautifully designed emails that show the product and remind people what to do and people still haven't converted, you could definitely send an email from the founder that says like, hey, Kevin, you know, I sent you a few, our team sent you a few emails about this thing you left in your cart. You know, I'm here to help. Let me know if you have any questions. Let me know if you need anything. So I think in each of the flows that I mentioned, there definitely is a way to sneak in kind of a plain text email from the founder or from like a community manager or someone on the team that does feel personal because those do convert. Yeah. I always tell people like a great personal email from a founder still how it works. Of course, especially helpful when the founder still responds to them versus like a customer service rep. Yeah. I think they still work. And a question I had for you is as a business, how much revenue should be expecting from like an email campaign? Like I'm guessing you have brands say like, Hey Chase, if we implement these emails, 
and I'm paying you X amount, when am I getting my money back? How do you think about that or sort of how should brands be at least be thinking about it? Because of course, it's like anything in life with marketing, it's not promise, but we know that this is a really great best practice that you should be doing. And at least for me and other owners on this, on the podcast probably know that they've signed up for stuff and they should be expecting emails. Yeah. I mean, as an agency, we live and die based off performance, right? Mm -hmm. That is a huge key to customer or or in our case, client retention. It's how do we perform? So typically when brands come to us, they're probably doing in a ballpark of five to 10, maybe 15% if they're kind of more advanced in terms of total revenue coming from email. So again, like I'd say most clients come to us with five to 10% of their revenue coming from email. And we typically say people, and again, obviously we can't promise this, nine out of 10 times we've delivered. After working with us for about three to six months, the ballpark that we're aiming for is ensuring that these brands are doing about a quarter of their revenue. So doing about 25% or more of their revenue from email. So it's pretty significant. Yep. That's a lot. Wow. That's, that's a huge amount for some brands. Jesus, that's a good amount of money. Yeah, if you think about it, right, like you know this better than anyone else. Like you guys are spending so much money on the top of the funnel, driving really high quality leads. A percentage of them convert, but a lot of them don't, right? That's just the name of the game. Like if you have, you know, 5% conversion rate, which is probably pretty high, right? Um, that means 95% of the people yeah. aren't converting, right? The more emails of those we could collect and the more nurturing and educating that we can do on email, you've already paid to acquire the subscribers. We might as well convert them, right? It allows you to have so much more money to reinvest back into the top of the funnel. It allows you to have more money to bring on more staff. Like there are so many benefits of investing in email um, that I highly recommend everyone take it more serious if they haven't already because it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, and exactly what you said. Even you said 5% conversion rate, that's, that's really high. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm like, that's super high. Yeah. Uh, I was like, uh, what we're seeing right now is anywhere between one to three and 3% is really good. But exactly what you said, almost at least 90% plus of the traffic you're bringing, you're never going to convert that first time. Yeah. And that's just something I think most owners don't realize is that like, you don't buy things that first time. You're waiting for that email, even with any channel. I mean, you know, as much as I do, like you get an email and then you see it and then it reminds you again. And then you get that Facebook ad and that Facebook ad now reminds you to buy. And yes. then it's, that's why it's, so, it's sometimes so hard to do attribution. But like, we all know that every channel helps like that email reminder showed you that brand again. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I actually didn't want to buy that shirt or sweater. So sometimes as the owner, I think they need to realize like people are just looking at, I always tell people this story. People always say, I never click on ads. Facebook <laughs> is literally a $200 billion company built on ads, but yet yeah. everybody I talk to never clicks on ads. I'm like, because you don't know. And it's so subtle and it's crazy. It, yeah. I think that's the funniest thing I always hear from people. I never click on ads. I don't know how marketing works. I'm just like, Google, a company that you think is like this free company makes 99% of revenue from ads, right? And like, people are like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, you know, when you look on mobile, like three quarters of your screen is an ad. It's not an organic search. It's like, but people sometimes get confused, right? So it's just so funny. But for you, Chase, how do you guys like sort of come up with campaign ideas? Obviously you want to do these automations and flows, but how do you come up with like new ideas to sort of do broadcasts or messages or one-off messages when it's not like a holiday, you know, Easter, every, or even, or even then it's an Easter holiday. How do you make something unique for that? Because we all know for Black Friday, it was like everybody was sending like the craziest emails, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you guys probably sent some wild ones too. Cause I know some business owners are like, just send that email. I need a discount or something like that. Right. So, yeah. Black, Black Friday, Saturday, Monday is crazy, right? Yeah. Send email three times a day. It's like, well, what are we going to send? I don't, I don't care. Trust me. Like we had people just saying like, just change the subject line and then do it again. I was like, all right, cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so to your point, that's, that's a great question. So there's typically nine kind of buckets or there's nine kind of categories that we're looking at for a campaign. And I'll kind of go through all nine of them really quickly, like just like with a line right now. And then any ones that stand out, let's dive into. So we do things around like new product launches, right? Someone's going out with a new product. That's pretty straightforward. A celebrity or an influencer partnership, right? That's really great social proof. So we do a, kind of a celebrity influencer partnership. Obviously, right? Not every brand has those. If you have them, they're probably not all the time, but that's a great one to have kind of in the arsenal. Holidays, we already mentioned, not going to dive into that one too much. Um, like a promotion or a special offer, right? Some people are trying to liquidate inventory. They kind of want to just make a special offer or they want to make a special offer to reward VIPs. We do a lot of like educational and blog content. I think that's so important. I think when we go into companies, the level of education that customers have and the level of content that people are providing is very minimal. So that's a big area of focus for us. Those emails engage highly. They have great click-throughs, right? To get people back onto your site, get them back into the retargeting flow, right? There's so many cool things that like driving traffic to a blog or just to an education piece will do for your funnel. Um, we do things around current events. So for example, one of our clients is an apparel company. They leverage print on demand. So what they did for the Super Bowl was they created an email and kind of some designs for the Chiefs. And they also made some designs for the 49ers. And we had emails queued up for whatever team won. We just would go on and press send. Dude, that email did $37,000 in 24 wow. hours. Just by having kind of the relevancy and the currency of some kind of happening. So current events is one I think that a lot of people aren't leveraging. You know, if you're in sports, like do things for like March Madness, there's, there's always something right in the sports world that you can be taking advantage of. And we do things around giveaways, right? Whether it's a solo giveaway or a partner giveaway, bundles are huge. Our big obsession lately has been around bundling products just because it really pushes a high AOV, which allows you to have a lot of money to obviously continue reinvesting and obviously drives up the LTV of a customer. And the last one that we typically look at is gifting. How can you also ask for a sale to get someone to purchase for someone else? So I know I just went through those super quickly. Are there any of those you want me to kind of elaborate? So yeah, I've heard of some of these like gifting is great and we do that too. We see that sometimes with ads as well. I like the relevancy one. How do you think about that? Like, is it like, obviously we know that, for example, the Super Bowl, did you guys have those campaigns like lined up? Sort of how was that like thing that you guys, you know, sort of set up with that brand that you had? Yep. So I, I don't want to give away the brand because I gave away some revenue. Yeah. With this brand, a lot of their audience is millennial men. Very, you know, active outdoors, very active with sports, like just very, very part of like the dude culture, for lack of a better word. I, I hate saying that mm. word, but like, <laughs> and, and with them, like, again, because they leverage print on demand, right? We were able to design graphics of t-shirts and apparel and put that into an email. And obviously, as soon as people order, then the items start printing. And what we had done is before the Super Bowl is we had an email if the 49ers were going to win, which we'd send. And we have an email if the Chiefs, which obviously won, that we would send. So as soon as the Super Bowl ended and we saw the winning team, we logged into Klaviyo, sent like a subject line that said champions, and we just sent it off. And there's a couple ways that you could really take this a step further. For us, we really wanted to kind of scale to this. We wanted to test this campaign. So we ended up just sending it to all of our engaged audience. A few ways that you could improve upon this that we were kind of thinking about, but when we ran the numbers in terms of like the list size, they were pretty small. You could basically take a segment of the people on your list that are just in California, if the Niners won, um, or just kind of in Missouri, if the Chiefs won, right? So you could kind of segment even further and send it to just people that are in that state, in that county. And as you know, that there's a lot of relevance there. I think in our case, like just sending to everyone ended up working. And the reason I say that after the fact is our unsubscribe on the email 
was 0.1, which is the same unsubscribe rate as any other email we send. And the marketed spam was zero. Like we didn't have a single person market spam. So the fact that we were able to hit chief fans that are in California and Washington and New York and Florida, right? Like there are chief fans everywhere because we sent to anyone that opened up the world of possibilities. Even if you're not a Chiefs fan, you might know a friend that is, so you might buy it for them. So that campaign absolutely crushed it. But 99% of the legwork happened before the Super Bowl, right? And then after the Super Bowl ended, it was just as easy as clicking a button on the Chiefs one and sitting back. And within 24 hours, dude, it didn't just shot at 40K. It did like $37,000. Wow. That's so good. Wow. Jesus, that's a lot. So yeah, I think I think for listeners here, it's all about the relevancy and sort of, it's kind of what you said, you just got to be prepared. It's like you preparation and then knowing what you want to do and accomplish with your e-commerce store, you can win. And, you know, people people could have waited till the next week to run their campaigns for the Super Bowl, but, you know, brands like yours that you're helping with already started it. Now, no one's going to buy from the other brands because people want to buy right now. It's, I think it's a great time because especially in that time, like you're just so excited that you just want to support yeah. that team that you love. And I think people miss that sometimes. It's like, this is why they're buying is because that excitement and, you know, when you're getting that feeling like money just flies out of your wallet. Yep. And we're, we're pretty cheesy, honestly, with campaigns too. Like one thing that we're going to be testing for a client, like by the time people listen to this, it's probably going to be too late since it's on Sunday, but the Oscars is on Sunday, right? Yeah. So we're going to kind of like try with a few clients, just like, you know, and the winner of the best product for this goes to, you know, this brand, right? Yep. So you're wearing a North Face jacket, right? So you know, the winner of the best winner jacket goes to North Face, right? And that's mm-hmm. the client that we're sending on behalf of. So we're kind of just like cheesy and playful. And we're just taking advantages of opportunities that others aren't because that's where you win, right? No, I didn't get a single other email about the Super Bowl from any list I'm on. Dude, yeah. I'm easily on a thousand people's list. Like yeah. I've been signing up for probably 10, 15, 20 people e-commerce brands list every day for the past few years, right? I'm on so many lists. I didn't see a single other. I guarantee yeah. you be a single email about the Oscars other than the ones from my clients. So if you yeah. take advantage of the things that people aren't, that's where, where you win. Everyone's doing Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You're obviously going to make a lot of money, but there's so much noise. So how can your brand get creative? Even like some of those stupid, like today is or national mm-hmm. pet day, right? National beer day. Like yeah. even just taking advantage of some of those. Yeah. Um, like for example, we, we work with like a, a gravity blanket company. We work with like a, a couple different companies in like the home and decor space. And there was a day in, I think January that was national cuddle up day. No one's ever heard of it. No one actually cares, but it gave us an excuse to educate people on like, you know, the benefits of having like a down day, right. And just kind of being very educational and also like, you know, to celebrate national cuddle up day, like who cares about that? Here's 10% off. Right. And those emails like did pretty well. Like people don't get those. Yeah, no, and exactly. It goes exactly what you said. It's every time there's a there's a holiday for anything. Trust me, like yeah. on Twitter, there's like a holiday for like every single random yeah. day. I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is a holiday today. But like even the Super Bowl one, that's exact. The only emails I got were from like obvious ones, like Dicks, Sporting Goods, like the big retailers that always send these emails. But yeah. e-commerce brands, yeah, like no one really sent any. It's very. It's kind of like. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you see like every brand in the woodworks that you've never heard of before. Like, oh yeah, this is, I, I bought something from them a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we're going to try to wrap this up soon, Chase, but I have one more question for you. Yep. What are your thoughts on SMS marketing? I know Clavio, I think recently just added something. So are you guys sort of incorporating that? How do you sort of see that? Is that a competitor email? Um, kind of like your whole thoughts on should you email SMS at the same time? You know, just sort of your the thoughts on that. 
Yeah, that's a good question, man. I go, I go back and forth. Like, I think there's so much benefit and value to SMS, but again, like for, for companies and for, for teams, like there are only so many things that you could do well. Right. Like I think SMS has a place. I think there's conversions. We're kind of starting to test it with Clavio. We're starting to test it with a few other platforms and there are success, but for a lot of brands, you're starting from scratch, right? They all have really large email lists. Um, but their messenger lists are so their SMS lists are so small that it's just one of those things that's going to take time and patience. And I think a lot of the brands that we work with, because we've had such great results from email in such a short period of time, I think they have very similar expectations with SMS. Mm. So again, I think that's more me answering it from like, as an agency keeps getting asked, like, can you guys offer SMS? Like, we're more like in the spot of like, yeah, I mean, we could do it and we're having success with it, but like, you have to really be patient. It's kind of like the SEO game, right? We're like, mm doing great SEO takes really a really long time, right? Like it could take you six months before you see the fruits of your labor. And with SMS, if you're starting from scratch and you come to us and you're going to pay us to do it, if, if you're understanding that it's going to take time, then I think it will work well. So kind of shifting focus and answering that from a brand's perspective, I think SMS is great, right? It has its benefits, but I don't think it's going to replace email. I think it's complementary to email. I don't think it's competitive where I think if you could, integrate like Clavio has where like you could send two emails and then a text reminder saying like, Hey Kevin, I just sent you two emails. Like want to make sure you saw those. Thanks. Mm -hmm. I think if you play it with email, it could work great, but you just have to be careful, right? You can't send people long form emails or long form text like you would an email. Yeah. I'm mixed. Like I'm, I'm part of me is bullish on it. I just know how long it takes and how much effort it takes and how, how risky it is. Where like, if you don't abide by all the rules, there's some serious fines that can happen. So I'm kind of letting other people get fined and other people make mistakes before we kind of dive yeah. into, I want to learn from others. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I see some, I, even for me, like I get SMS text messages from random like giveaway companies that I signed up for. I'm just like, I'm pretty sure I blocked you, but somehow you get, you probably got a new number, right? That I'm keep getting text from, but yeah, I think SMS is interesting and, and it's, it's gotta be complimentary to email because people still like emails. I'm, I always still email being open and if, but text is just sort of a thing that it's still great because it's one of those, it's like, I don't know. It's, it reminds me of like messenger, something like Facebook messenger was like, people like, Oh, I have 80% open rate. And right. yeah, you do, you open it, but like, do you really read it? I know I sometimes just click on stuff just because I want to get rid of that notification. Whereas exactly. email, there's like intent. You like, it's like, Hey, I want to read it because I'm actually interested. So you know, we're SMS right now is because like most people just want to get rid of that notification where email it's like, Oh, I'll open. Like, I'm fine with 3000 unread emails, honestly. Like wow. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, it's like more intent when I see something that I, I want to see or a subject line that looks enticing. Yeah. But, totally agree. Okay. Well, Chase, thank you for coming on the podcast. I know you have a course out right now. I definitely want you to tell the audience what's that about and sort of, you know, where they can find that. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I was fortunate to get chosen to build a course with Founder Magazine. Um, for those of you who don't know Founder, Founder is basically the Forbes, but for millennials. Um, I taught that course with four other world-class entrepreneurs. Um, Nick Shackelford, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Greta, who's great at influencers. She's badass. And then two other others. So the five of us taught this course on how, helping and teaching brands that, that are doing six figures on how they could leverage the five tactics that we taught to go from six to seven figures in their e-commerce business. So that's through Founder Magazine. If you look up the Founder course, they're doing a lot of promo for it. Probably should be pretty easy to find, but I'm pumped. I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I've got some great feedback so far from some friends and family, some clients, and even a bunch of random people have been following me and sending me thank you. So it's been a really cool experience. Is this your first like online course out there? 
Yeah, my first and probably only. Like, I, I never planned on doing a course. Um, yeah. When founder comes knocking, you answer, right? It wasn't something that I could pass up. Um, so I've been doing a bunch of podcasts, first course, and I'm speaking on my first stage um, in a few weeks. So really oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you're going to uh, geek out, right, in LA? When's that again? Yep. So February 21st to 23rd in LA, I'll be speaking at an event called Geek Out. Um, so I think there'll be probably like 60 or 70 people attending and I'll, I'll be talking and presenting probably about 45 minutes to an hour about all the things that brands need to do on email. A couple of things we covered today and, you know, more things that we didn't. Oh, so lucky. I wish I could be there and I wish I could be speaking there. Oh, I'm Amen. so jealous of you. I'm going to submit you for the next one. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. All right, Chase, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know I learned a lot. I I was asking you some questions that were hard. I'm glad you took them and answered me the best you could. Uh, Thank you so much, Chase, for your time. Thanks, man, for having me. I really appreciate it. This week's episode of Digital Marketing Fastlane was brought to you by the performance marketing experts at Voy Media. Join us again next time as we'll be bringing you more tips, techniques, and know-how to make your online business the very best that it can be. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, we'd love to hear them on Twitter at Voy Media. Thank you.